In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Hello, hello. It's great to be with you. Great to see you if you're watching this on YouTube. Great to hear you if you're listening via iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or just the Houston Texans mobile app, HoustonTexans.com. There's so many ways to do it. I'm Drew Doherty. This is In The Lab. And my good pal, John Harris. Look at you, Mr. Fancy, there in the Texans <laughs> digital studio. I'm so envious because I'm here in my house, and yes. I turned on lights behind me because one of our producers, Tyler Marcotte, had a mini hissy fit because he didn't like my lighting uh, that, that's been on the last couple of weeks. So he was like, he's hey, probably going to be mad about He's probably going to be mad about my lighting, I'm sure. Well, we're um, both harsh. It's harsh lighting on both of us right now. I, I'm yeah, very washed out. You are too, but probably so. Not, we're not about appearances on In the Lab. We're about the substance, John. Yes, that's exactly what we're about. And we're about these things. See this right here? This is called a connection. I don't have one and, of those. Yeah, this, you, yeah, Drew, I don't know if you want to wear one, but this tells me how close I am to everybody in the building. So if that thing goes red, then I'm standing too close to my man, Tyler Sadarth, who's over here, okay. or to Nicholas Patterson, who's back over there. So if that thing goes red, it tells me you've been too close. So it's a nice little contract tracing during COVID-19. How about that? Interesting. Nice wow. and fun. High yeah. tag. It was a brand, brave new world. Uh, today on In the Lab, we're going to discuss the pass rush. Not necessarily J.J. Watt, because we know so yeah. much about J.J. Watt. We've talked so much about J.J. Watt, justifiably so. We're branching out. Not even so much Whitney Merciless, but the options and the younger guys and the, the perhaps undiscovered talents, namely Duke Edge of Four, Jonathan Grenard, Jacob Martin, uh, Brennan Scarlett to a degree, and you're going to add in a guy or two perhaps as well. But what sort of options, and this is a very broad subject, but what sort of options do the Texans have pass rush-wise that we might see improvement in in 2020 over 2019? Because I can think of a few. I can think of Duke Edge of Four coming back from injury. Let's see how he does. It was, it was a, yeah. a tough, tough thing to come back from the Achilles. Jonathan uh, Grenard, lots of promise. I like what he yep. did. Leading the SEC in sacks. Jacob Martin, though, really is enticing because he came in basically five, six, seven days before the season started, got thrust in the mix. But I think with a year under his belt, this new system that Anthony Weaver is going to employ, I, I really see good things coming from Jacob Martin, too. You know, it's interesting because the mix to me out on the outside is there are a lot I, – I say this a lot of times. Throw the paint on a canvas. Just throw as much paint on a canvas and then figure it out. I think and the there's, Texans and there's quite a bit, of, and there's quite a bit of paint for the Texans, exactly, with regards to these young pass rushers, isn't there? Exactly, and that's and that's my point is that you do have a lot of you do have a lot of paint you can throw up on the canvas. I feel like last year when JJ went down, you didn't you didn't have that. When JJ went down, you just think about the names that you've mentioned. You didn't have Duke Edge of because he tore his Achilles in May. You didn't have JJ at that point you were like six, seven games into the season with Jacob Martin. So you really, you know, had not gotten a, a, a ton out of him. So you really had Jacob Martin and you had Brent Scarlett and that was kind of it. And then every so often Charles Omenahu would bump to the outside and rush as, as a four, three defensive end. 
big oversight on my part, not bringing up Charles Amenahu. He, well, he definitely got to bring up his name in, in that mix. I, I'm glad you said that because to me, as crazy as this might sound, I think Charles ends up being the X factor for the pass rush this year because there are only two players on this roster. And I don't know that many teams have more than two. So maybe we have two. So maybe that's the way to look at it. But you have very rarely do you have guys that can rush outside and inside and do it equally well. And we know, obviously, J.J. can do it. But you've got it with Charles Amenahu. I remember in uh, week two against the Jags, the opener here, he rushed from the outside, knocked the ball away from Gardner Minshew, rushing the outside. When he had his big play against Kansas City, he was rushing one-on-one against the guard on the inside. So Charles has that ability to go inside and outside, and so does J.J. Those guys, to me, are hugely valuable because there's a lot of different combinations you can have with them. When they, they might line up – now, there have been times Jacob Martin I've seen line up inside, but he's not going to rush inside. It doesn't make any sense. He's 240 pounds soaking wet. He, it's, it's not going to make much sense for him to go against guards because guards are just going to be able to kind of gather him. And he, he's too, you know, he's not big enough to, to handle that. Put him on the edge where that speed can really take off. Um, and so he becomes, you know, kind of a guy that's, I don't want to say just an edge guy, but he's an edge guy. But with Chuck and with JJ, you've got two guys that can do different things from inside and from outside. And to me, I think that's, hugely valuable for this pass rush. Omenahu last week was when we've seen him, you know, this offseason, he was working out with DeMarcus Ware, one of the great pass rushers in NFL history. It's interesting. You brought up that week two sack. And when I talked with Charles Omenahu earlier this offseason, after the pandemic had gotten going, he discussed how the biggest disappointment to in his, in his NFL life came the week before when he was ruled inactive at New Orleans. Yeah. And he he said that that never happened to me. I'd I'd always played in every game. And so the next week he was really looking to prove something. He said the first, basically the first snap he gets in the game, he essentially got that sack, that strip sack, struck that, stuck that paw in and got the ball loose. So it's interesting, his motivations uh, in watching him in the locker room last year, he's always kind of soaking things up. You hear stories about how he's asking Whitney Mercil stuff and asking JJ Watt things and trying out, you know, figure out not just how to play better, but how to be a pro and all that. So I, I'm really looking forward to bigger and better things from a man who showed, who showed a lot of promise as a rookie, like you're talking about in 2019. Yeah. I think there, to me with, with Chuck, it's, and you see this, I think a lot of times with guys that have the wingspan, the length that he has is trying to figure out how do you use it effectively? And I felt like his senior year at Texas, he really started to use it effectively. And at the senior bowl, I really, really saw it. Um, You could really tell he's starting to use it. But look, against college guys versus NFL guys, there are certain things that you've got to take that to a different level. But when he fully understands how to use that length as his advantage in the NFL – he's going to be a house of fire to have to try and stop. And because he can rush from outside and from inside, you have a lot of different options. So let's say you're playing Tennessee. Tennessee wants to pound Derrick Henry, right? So you can use Charles on the outside. He can set the edge against the run against Luan or Dennis Kelly or Isaiah Wilson or whomever the tackles are. He can set the edge against the run 
but if it ends up being play action, he still can provide a pass rush um, that maybe you're not going to get from other guys. Maybe you don't want lighter, you know, edge guys out there because they're going to run right at those guys. So you want Charles out there because he can handle it and he can rush from out there. So, you know, you play Tennessee, you got JJ and Charles on the outside, and then, you know, you can play with Blacklock or, you can play with uh, Blackson or DJ Dunny or whomever on the inside and kind of mix and match there and still come up with the ability to stop the run and rush the edge. So I just see a guy like Charles being so valuable because, okay, it's the Chiefs this week. Okay, well, maybe rushing from the inside makes a lot of sense. I'm getting matched up on a guard that's maybe not of, of Omenu's caliber, and that's what happened last year. He gets matched up on Austin Ryder. Austin Ryder can't block him one-on-one, and Omenu threw his hands. You know, swam over him, got to uh, Patrick, knocked the ball out, big play in that game because we scored right before the halftime. So I just think with Chuck, because he can move to different spots. Now, the question becomes, do you want to move him to different spots? Mm -hmm. I think you want to because of that versatility. Can Can he do both? And by keeping one guy kind of moving around, you can keep the personnel similar, move that one guy around, and now you're presenting a multitude of looks for an offense to try and figure out. So I, I love having that opportunity. So you've got those guys, plus you've got the edge guys that we talked about. And with the edge guys, I think you've got a combination of everything. You've got Brennan Scarlett, who's a little bit bigger on the edge than, than pretty much everybody that I could think of playing out there. Then you've got Duke, who is probably about the same size as Brendan, but maybe, you know, a little bit more skilled as a pure pass rusher where Brendan's kind of all around. Then you've yeah, got Whitney, who does little, everything. He's a little more slithery when it comes to right. getting that. That's a good point. And we saw that Slippery. very first time he got on the field, week yes. two at Tennessee, 2019. Texans lose that game, but he's on the field, and he – I can't remember who he uh, – I guess he forced, he forced a throwaway or had a quarterback hit it right off the bat. I mean, he was – he was getting home and getting home quickly. Yeah. And, and he's a he was teamed up with JJ. I mean, he was looking good. So Yeah, he's a very skilled pass rusher. Very skilled. And then you got Whitney, who's kind of does everything. And then you got Jacob Martin, who's maybe a little bit smarter than the guys, but there's nobody off the edge, nobody off the edge that's got the speed and the burst and the bounce that he does. I mean, he is twitchy off the edge. So you kind of have a lot of th- and in, in Grenard, you got to figure out what you have with Grenard. So I'll ask you this question, Drew, on Monday Night Radio with uh, Mark last night. We had um, an over-under. I do over-unders with Mark. Yeah, you and, you I, and I, do. I do them on radio. We yeah. do them. Yeah. So I came up with this over-under. Rookie sacks for the 2020 season. Now, I, you could take into account – John Reed being a nickel and you can add him in whatever, but I put the over under at four and that's pretty much Blacklock and Grenard. Now Grenard led the the SEC in sacks Blacklock, I think had three and a half or four, whatever the number is, but obviously transitions to the NFL. And the more we talked about it, the more we felt like, you know what? Four is a pretty good number. And I started thinking about it, man, you get four sacks out of rookies. I mean, it doesn't sound like a whole heck of a lot, but if you feel like you're going to get contributions from all those guys we mentioned, and, oh, by the way, you're going to get Grenard and Blacklock to throw in four sacks at a, at a minimum, I think you got to feel pretty good about what you're going to have with the pass rush. Well, i got to go on the over with Ford just because you got to think Blacklock is good for one and a half. 
by himself. Yeah. Through the course of a one, the course of a whole season, and that's pro, that that might be underestimating him. But I do think right. he's going to get one and a half by himself. And then Grenard, you don't think he can get more than two and a half? I mean, I think that. Yeah. I think that's that's why I think four. Yeah, I'm going to take the over on those two. And I'm not predicting a Von Miller explosion. I'm not thinking, <laughs> you know, it's 18 yeah. stacks out of the gate by Grenard and Blacklock's going to roll out with 14 of his own. But I do think they'll hit that over. And I, but I think four is a very good number, a very good Vegas number to put on yeah. them. But I think they hit the over on that. Yeah, my casino would do pretty well because I think I would get money on both sides on that one. <laughs> I felt pretty good about you that. Get John Pendergast in on this and see what he would do. Because oh. it's, it's been rumored yeah. that he knows a thing or two about these. Uh, these yeah, maybe. Rumored. <laughs> That's probably the best way of putting it. Rumors. rumors. I'm not, not, not an accusation, just rumors. rumors. Uh, you know, yeah. I say this as a, as a He'll love the way that you put that, rumors. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just think it's fun just going circling back and, and putting a bow on all this. I think it's fun because you've got a clump of guys who are all in their second years as Texans for a, a variety of different reasons. You got Duke edge of four. This is basically his second year playing. He's yeah. out this year. Jacob Martin that he's been in the league longer than that, but it's his second year as a Texan Yeah, year two, like you mentioned for Charles Amenahu. I just, I can't wait to see that combined with the mix of veteran leadership in Whitney in Scarlett, yep. who, I mean, he's one of your key special teamers, and he's somebody who is invaluable for this team. He's, he's one of those guys that O'Brien has talked about is a fabric guy, you know, a, yeah. a, a, a vitally important player. So I can't wait to see what this mix does because I think it can do something. And then Grenard in year number one, you don't lead the SEC in sacks if you're a buster. And so I think yeah, he's, that's he's true. got something. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you bring up Brennan and – with Brennan, I, he, he's such a Swiss Army knife. There's a lot of different things that you can do with Brennan. I remember we went to Washington in 2018 and played the Washington football team. Yeah, so yeah, good, good. He had, a, he had a tremendous game. He played inside linebacker in that game and ended up having an interception. Uh-huh. Right before, I think it was right before half, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, you know, playing as a you know kind of an inside linebacker or even an outside linebacker in a four-three. So there's a lot that you can do with a guy like that. You're not pigeonholed into, well, he's got to just do this. This is all that you can do with that guy. I think the versatility you have in a guy like Brent Scarlett is invaluable. And another guy that we brought up, but it's, I, I, I think I've gotten to a point with him that he's more an inside linebacker than anything else, is Peter Kalambayi. Mm-hmm. If you've got to put PK outside, I think he would would – do a solid job. But I kind of think about him as an inside linebacker. So people are thinking, well, what about Peter? I think about him more as an inside linebacker. But with Peter and with Brennan, you know, Peter more so than Brennan. I think Brennan can kind of go back and forth when you need him to. I think Peter is probably truly an inside linebacker. But if you ever needed him, you know, again, talking about pass rush, it's kind of up and down the board. You need it from everybody. And that includes your two guys inside, Zach and BMAC. Um, and even when Dylan Cole comes in there, you need that pass rush coming from them. It's going to be interesting to see how Anthony Weaver kind of gets the pass rush from that inside mix to the inside linebacker mix as well. You just brought up Peter Columbine. And a moment ago, I said we'd put a bow on it, but I'm going to have to extend it. And we're going to switch gears here because Columbine is Stanford guy. Scarlett is Stanford guy. Michael Thomas is Stanford guy. Justin Reed is Stanford guy. Those are it's the most represented college now on the Texans. All four of those guys – are very, very important special teamers. And we got to talk about special teams because it's not been like an official announcement from the Texans, 
But Tracy Smith is on the HoustonTexans.com website listed as a special teams coordinator. We had the Brad Seeley retirement uh, earlier this summer, which was a surprise. Came at an odd time. Yeah. Normally when coaches retire, happens right after the season. And, uh, you know, you get to work, fill in that spot. Happened later, but Tracy Smith has been with Brad Smith the last decade. He's been here in Houston the last two years. And these are the greatest two years of special teams play we've seen in franchise history. I mean, they're outstanding as far as when they kick off and when they punt, as far as where the other team starts their next drive. They have been lights out in that regard, top three or four in the NFL, tops in some categories. So I think it's good that there's continuity there. I got a chance to interview A.J. Moore, who has led the Texans special teams in tackles the last two seasons. First year as a rookie in 19, last year in his second year. He was fifth in the NFL last year in special teams tackles. He said, we're going to be just fine with Tracy Smith. Um, he's ready for the task. So I'm excited to see what this unit does. Congrats to Tracy. He's earned it. He deserves it. He's an excellent coach and, and has, you know, you've seen the results on the field under, uh, under Brad Seeley. But it's a big change. In Callum Bailly, you mentioned with him playing defense. I'm fine if you never see him a down on defense. That's cool if he does play defense, but what he's yeah. done on special teams, he's been a big part of that success. And you and I nerd out and talk about it a lot, but <laughs> I don't think that special teams for this, this team has gotten the credit it deserves because it was yeah. abysmal before this. It's won you games the last two years. Yes, yep. it's been mainly because of Deshaun Watson, but special teams has been a difference maker as well. There's no question. Brad came in here. Brad and Tracy came in here, kicked those special teams right in the backside. I will say they also, to me, added talent. You mentioned it. Peter oh, Calambaye yeah. goes Absolutely. on special teams. A.J. Moore comes. They claim, you know, A.J. Moore's claimed off waivers in 2018. And A.J. has played some defensive snaps. He played some key defensive snaps for this team he's been last year. He's been one of your best players. If you look at the overall results, he's not a household name, but A.J. Moore right. has been one of your best players. Well, if you add in a healthy Dylan Cole in 2020. Your captain. You add in Michael Thomas now to the mix. Now, you've lost Barkevious Mingo. You lost Taiwan Jones. Those are two yeah. losses, two guys going out. But you bring in Michael Thomas, one of the better special teams guys in the entire NFL. You yep. bring him in. Uh, you still have got – you know, Colin Gillespie you're talking about, Gilly, you got PK, you got Dylan Cole. Um, every so often you get Zach Cunningham on a team, you'll get Justin Reed on a team. Brennan plays on all special teams. Terrell Adams is a guy that has contributed on special teams uh, throughout the years and when he's played. This has been a group that has gotten better. And I know people will, you know, you're, what do people remember, you know, the last time they saw you? And, of course, against Kansas City, there were a couple of breakdowns. Yeah. The flip side is – they also blocked the punt. They also recovered, uh, which went for a touchdown. They also uh, recovered a fumble off a punt. Then, obviously, they had a couple of breakdowns uh, later on as well. Like the rest of the team, so, like the offense and the defense. Yes, like everybody did. You're right. But on the whole, the last two years, special teams, there have been days – I mean, think about Tennessee blocking field goal. Oh, yeah. Next week, um, Tampa Bay blocking another Tampa Bay blocking yeah. another field goal at a key time to, to keep those teams off the scoreboard – and then we get on the scoreboard, and now we're out in front, and they're having to chase. And I think that's where this team wants to be. So special teams all around have been really, really good. I'm happy for Tracy. I think it's going to be a great opportunity for him. Uh, and so I'm really excited to see what they are able to do on special teams. It's so funny because when I talk about this with Mark, Mark's like, eh, when they do special teams in practice, that's when I go get a drink of water or go to the bathroom. I'm like, Mark, this is 
this, I mean, these special teams, first of all, they're fun to watch because I'm always curious to see who they have on those special teams and how they put it all together. But, man, that's really become an important unit for this team. Top five in the league the last two years. And now with Tracy Smith, they've got to keep it there. Because of the last two years, one little thing I've done mentally when I'm watching a game on kickoffs, if the other team doesn't get to the 25, which is what you get it with a, with a touchback, yeah. keep them behind the 25, W. That's a little win. In yes. On punts, if they, don't, if, they get, if they don't get past the 20, W. And there's so many times in a game that it's like W, W. You're yeah. making that offense on the other team have to go just a little bit further, and it pays dividends. So it's yep. been fun to no see. Doubt. I hope it, hope it improves and gets even better. And mm-hmm. talking with a lot of these guys, that's the mindset. They, they think there's still some, some yards to gain in that regard. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped to see what happens with Tracy Smith and, and the special teams unit. And here's one other thing to keep in mind. Kyrie Fairbairn, John Weeks, Brian Anger. Continuity with those three. And DeAndre so Carter, got, if you want to throw in the, the return. Right. Yeah. yeah, DeAndre Carter as well. So you've got continuity with all the, the key, the ball handlers, if you will. Sure. Uh, log snapper, kicker, punter, return guy, all coming back. So you've got continuity there. So, yes, Brad retired. I love Brad. Brad was great. Um, he was fantastic. Uh, I always loved sitting by him on the bus on the way to games. He was so, he was so great to talk to. Um, and I used to joke with him about how it was, it must've been really tough to coach a guy like Brian Anger who could, you know, take punts into the stratosphere and drop them at the five yard line. I'm like, coach, that's really good coaching. He used <laughs> to laugh and go, Oh yeah, the absolute best. So hate to see him go. But I think Tracy with the continuity with those guys we talked about and the rest of the guys on special teams, I'm really excited to see this should be another top five unit. At least that's what we're expecting. Hopefully to kind of put the two talks together. Hopefully our pass rush unit will be a top five unit as well. I'm going to make a bold declaration. I think In the Lab is a top five podcast for HoustonTexans.com. Yes, of course. You think, man? That's not, that's not bold. I mean, put yourself out there a little bit. That's a good one, though. I like it. Well, listen, like it's it. been fun, man. Uh, we keep inching closer. and cl- I mean, technically, training camp has started, uh, and we'll have some football to watch on August 14th, knock on wood. But uh, the guys are in the building. You're in the building. I'm going to be in the building a little bit later today. I'm not going to see you, but shooting a, yeah. a special – uh, around 3.30, so say hello if you see me from afar. I will. Don't let Bye, that cattle prod on your arm shock you to death. And uh, we'll say hello to Sudarth. Tyler, you just mentioned Tyler Sudarth. Little Tyler Sudarth got nominated yeah. for four Emmys. Um, How about that? That's, How about that right over here? Can you turn uh, and show him? No, he's, he's, got his head, he's got his headphones on. He's so dialed in. Yeah. He's not hey, – Suds, come here. Come, come, say hello to the, come say hello to the people. Come on, here he is. He's, he's coming in. This guy right here, four. Amy, now watch this. Watch this. You want to see, see how it's flashing red? See Ooh. that? We're too, close. We're too close to one another. I didn't mean to do this. this is my I'm man right here. Four Congratulations, Emmy dude. Way to nominations. go. We brought you on camera to congratulate you. For there you go. We did. Well-deserved. That's right. All yeah. right. Now get out of here. Go. You got work to do. All right. He's got weights to lift. He's a, he's a big, big, burly young man. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. John, thanks so much for the time. Always good it, with you. Thank you all for listening, for watching. We do this for you. We would, if you weren't doing this and listening and, and getting in our ears and or letting us get in your ears and letting us get in your eyes, it sounds weird. If you weren't there, we wouldn't do this. So thank you. We appreciate it. We can't wait to uh, see you in public. And we can't wait to do this again next Tuesday. This has been In the Lab.